Genesis chapter 12 this morning, Genesis 12, it's the first book in the Bible, and just turn like four or five pages in. It reads as follows, and the Lord said to Abram, go, go from your country and your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Story is a powerful thing. I've always loved story. I, when I was a kid, I read comic books. I enjoyed story in that form pictures with, you know, bubbles. There are, there are uh, onomatopoeias I still see that I remember, like Thwip is Spider-Man, Snick is Wolverine. I loved those stories when I was a kid. I, went, I graduated from comics to books. I read a lot of books as a kid. I read a lot of Stephen King, Michael Crichton, John Grissom. Loved that stuff when I was in middle school and high school. And in the midst of that, I also became a fan of movies. I, I adore film. I I actually, before God got a hold of me, my dream was to make movies. I wanted to go to film school. I wanted to sneak and be the Mexican Steven Spielberg. That's all I wanted to do. But the Lord made me be a pastor instead. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Save me from a lot of embarrassment, probably. But uh, I love movies. I love story. Because story is a powerful thing. Because story can do what facts often cannot. Facts like data, statistics, numbers, they're too big, you know? One out of every thousand people does this. It's like, man, that's crazy. Forget about it. A story can break through all the, like, defenses, all our ignoring. A movie, a story can break through all of that. Whenever I go to India, whenever I go to India, I see a lot of heinous stuff. I see poverty and injustice and modern-day slavery. And when I leave, I'm all like messed up inside. I'm all like, there's anger and there's hurt. And, I, and, and being like an American, I don't, I don't know how to deal with um, sadness very well. So on the plane ride home, every time I go to India, I pick a movie for the flight home. And that movie is my crying movie. I put on a sad movie on the little screen in front of my seat, and I allow that movie to open the floodgates, if you will. Once I saw Les Mis, cried like a baby. I just cried. Once it was a movie called Lion, which is a movie about India that broke my heart. One time, it was Kung Fu Panda 2. Uh, listen, there's a scene where like, the mom died defending the baby, and I was like, I took, I'm, like I'm talking little kid crying, I'm, I'm playing with, like, with people. I'm just, it's in the middle of the night. And that for me, the story allows me to feel the pain inside of me. You know what I'm saying? Story cuts through all the noise. As we read the Bible, I hope you guys see that we're reading the whole Old Testament as a church. We're reading the, I hope as you read along with me, um, I see many of you, um, we have a, a, a sheet on the guest services. You want a, you want a ha- uh, hard copy? We're reading the whole Testament together this year. 
On our website, you can find a download of, of a free app to listen to it audio style if you want to do audio style. We put a video up every single week on Facebook going over the week's reading. We hope you're joining us in reading the Bible on a daily basis, okay? As you read, there are lots of little stories, lots of little pieces, little episodes. But the Bible is one big story. We watch a TV show. You know that this week episode of this TV show might have its own story within it, but it's part of a larger narrative. In Genesis 12, we meet a guy named Abraham. Abram. And Abram's little story is a part of God's big story. It's a very important part of God's big story. Abraham, his episode is real important. You don't want to miss this one. So, we began in creation. God makes the world, and it is good. Well, then, people, us, we sin, and things become not good. Sin breaks everything. It breaks us. It breaks the world. It separates us from God. Sin breaks everything. As you read the Bible, you read like the story of the flood, the Tower of Babel. You read Cain and Abel. You read what people look like separated from God, and it is ugly. It's scary. Humanity, apart from God, capable of unbelievable acts of cruelty and evil. The problem is, is that God, who is holy, cannot dwell with sinful humanity. God is holy, humanity is chosen to sin, and humanity is now out in the wilderness. How does a good God, a holy God, how does a holy God restore relationship? Well, the good news is, our God is a, he's a risk taker, he's a step taker. Our God's an initiator. In a, uh, sometimes in a couple relationship, you have a fight. One person will be the one who takes the first step of peace, right? One of you says sorry first. God is the initiator. God is the one who said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal this rift. God, who is wholly loving but wholly just, has to find a way to bring us home to himself. And God's going to bring us back to himself through a series of promises. A series of like, almost like contracts. Like, if this, then that. It's like if I say to you, if you paint my house, I'll give you a thousand bucks. If you don't paint my house, guess what? I don't give you a thousand bucks. If you do paint my house, guess what? I owe you a thousand bucks, right? It's a contract. If you do this, then I do that. And God, through his through the entire Old Testament, is going to make these contracts with Abraham, and then with Moses, and then with David. And each of these contracts is a step towards restoring what has been lost. It's like a first, it's like, it's like imagine if you and a good buddy are in a big fight, haven't talked in years, and one day, they like one of your posts. Whoa, the first step, right? We're not boys again. We're not best friends. But they like my post. These contracts are God taking a first step towards restoring what has been lost. So how is God going to do this with Abraham? First, 
Let's meet this guy. Who is this Abram guy? Stories have characters. Who is this character we meet named Abram, and why is he so important? I go all the way to Hebrews 11. Abraham is so important, he gets not one, but two mentions in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is like this famous place in the Bible with all like the greatest acts of faithfulness. Abraham gets two mentions. Apparently he's the man. So Hebrews 11 says this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now think about Abraham. God said to Abraham, I want you to... Okay, so if then, if you leave everything, if you leave your father's house, if you leave your people, if you leave your home and walk with me to a land I will show you, I'm going to do something special for you. It's a tough ask. If someone were to call me and say, Pastor Nesto, I need a favor. What you need, brother? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Just say yes or no. That's a tall order, right? Imagine saying yes with no knowledge. You're like, yes? All right. I need to get to Chicago tonight. Oh, no! Like, it's like, like, like you, you, saying yes is a big deal. God goes, Abraham, we're going somewhere. Come with me. I'll show you eventually where it's at. Could be tomorrow, could be next month, could be next year. If you trust me, I'll hook you up. And Abraham does it. He leaves. So it says, by faith, he obeys. By faith, verse 9, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, his wife Sarah herself received the power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. From one man as good as dead. I like that a lot. As good as dead. Abram, when God calls him, is like 75 years old. His wife, same age. And they have no kids. Now to us, that's a normal thing. In America, some people don't have kids. It happens. As Americans, we are very autonomous, make a lot of decisions. We have lots of birth control options, all that kind of stuff, right? Back in the day, back in the day, families had lots of kids. This was true in America until like two generations ago. My grandma was one of like 11 kids, right? A lot of us have that story where our, our grandma or great-grandma were part of a big family, and we have like, you know, one kid or two kids. You know, that's how we go. It's small now, a smaller family. But back then, we were more farm people. And if, you're, if you have a farm, guess what you need? You need workers. And your kids, it's free labor. So you have lots of kids. You need, you need workers. You need a tribe to protect yourself from the other tribes. So you had lots and lots, and, and also there's a lot of death. A lot of kids died in childbirth. A lot of kids died in, 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 when they were young kids. So you had lots of kids. Some of them make it to adulthood. Kids were seen in the ancient world as a blessing. If you had lots of kids, well, the gods must love you. 
Well, Abraham and Sarah had no kids. Their whole lives, no kids. And in that world, they were pitied. People saw Abraham and Sarah. Oh, poor Abraham, poor Sarah. God doesn't like you guys. Oh, man, things to be you guys. And they had pity. They, they thought of as people whom the gods did not bless. Their whole, imagine, imagine when they were younger, when they first get married, and every month praying, maybe this is the month we get pregnant. Oh, no, not this month. And for years and years, begging God. There's stories in the Bible of women weeping before the Lord, begging God for children. And Abraham and Sarah never, ever see that come to fruition. They must have gave up on the dream, right? 75 years old. They're, they're, they have gone, I mean, menopause has happened, yo. It's like only some of the women laughed. It's funny. <laughs> I know who laughed. Um, anyways, um, the dream is dead. He's like, man, my line stops with me. I'm the last person in my family line. As good as dead. We have no strength. We have no family. We have no tribe. When I die, my name dies with me. And God chooses Abraham for that very purpose. The Bible says many times, I did not choose you, Abraham, because you were strong or more numerous than any other tribes. I chose you because you were as good as dead. And when I blessed you, everyone would know, to God be the glory. I chose the weak thing of the world to confound the strong. I chose the foolish thing of the world to confound the wise. That gives us hope that God chooses normal people. Don't got to be the strongest, the most attractive, the funniest, the most charming, the most talented, the richest. You don't got to be the coolest person to be used by God. A lot of us think if I don't have these incredible huge gifts, God can't use me. As you read this book, I hope you see how everyone God uses is a train wreck. I hope every day open the Bible and go, these people are terrible. And then remember, oh man, that's my cousin. <laughs> that's my mama. Oh shoot, that's me. Like, you read the Bible, you should see yourself. Like, oh man, these people are terrible. Oh man, I'm a people. Like, that's you and me. <laughs> God uses not naive, untouched little church mice. He uses real people broken on the wheels of living. Abraham was as good as dead. And God's like, through you, I'm going to bring people back to myself. Through you, Abraham, I'm going to start reconciling all humanity back to me. Because humanity's in the wilderness, and God's like, let's come back to each other. Step towards you, step towards me. Abraham, if you leave everything and come with me, got something for you. And Abraham obeys. Abraham, who was as good as dead, obeys. And I hope that encourages your heart. You may say to yourself, man, I wasted these first four years of my life. God can redeem whatever is back there. I don't care if you're 14, 30, 60, 80. When God calls, who knows what he's going to do through your faithfulness, through your simple obedience? Abraham went on a walk, and God's going to use him mightily. So what did God promise this guy? Abraham and his wife, 
They're older. They got nothing. They go with God on this big walk of faith. And God says to him, back in Genesis 12, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. You got no kids. You come with me, you have more kids than our stars in the sky. You have more kids than our sand on the shore. Come with me and you, from, from your loins will come a nation. Okay. Does God keep the promise? Does God make of Abraham a nation? Yes, it's still stinking there. The nation of Israel is still over there. And the Israeli people, the Jewish people, their father is Abraham. Karl Barth, the famous German theologian, everyone's heard of him, haven't you? Um, it's Karl Barth, the famous German theologian, was once in New York visiting, and a reporter asked him, why do you believe in God? He goes, Jews. And the reporter's like, Jews? And Karl Barth said, well, show me a Hittite in New York City. No one gets it. Okay. <laughs> the joke is, everyone else from back then, the Hittites, the Jebusites, none of them survived. Wiped off the map with the Jewish people who have been hunted down to extinction more than once. You read the history of the Jews, they'll go to Russia, they'll go to Greece, they'll go to Germany, and all these people groups will just hate them and persecute them. And guess what? God keeps them alive. Because God promised Abraham, I'm taking care of your kids, man, don't worry about it. And the Jews, they're here. Here's a free one for you. I don't know where it comes from, I don't know why it happens. Throughout history, there's always been this flavor of anti-Semitism in many countries around the world. People hating the Jews. I had a guy come through the line at the pantry yesterday. He pulls up. He's like, hello. I'm like, hello. He goes, you're a Christian? Okay, I'm a Christian. He goes, I am Jew. He has a thick accent. He's just English well. I'm like, okay, you're Jewish. You're Jewish. He goes, born in Bethlehem in Israel. I'm like, but you're really Jewish, yo. Like, you're... You've got like four stars by your name, yo. And the question he had was, very simply, he's like, you Christian, me Jew, do you hate me? And that question exists because through history, a lot of Christians have hated the Jews. And there were some Christians have called Jewish people Christ killers and treated them badly in history. Listen, if we are children of Christ, we know that Jesus Christ, our Savior, was Jewish. Abraham was a father of Jews. He's our father. I told this man, dude, I don't hate you. We're the same dad. He goes, what? I was like, Abraham, blah, blah, blah. And then we talked. It was great. <laughs> if, you're, if you're here, and I hear guys say things like, man, like, I hear guys say things like, oh, I Jewed him down the price. If you're a Christian, we should not talk this way. We do not talk down on races. It's a free one for you. Abraham is told, if you come with me, I'll make you a great nation. And God keeps his promise. God makes Abraham into a nation. But listen to this. Abraham knew the promise. 
God told me I'd be a great nation. When he dies, he's got one kid and owns one cave. That's it. Is a kid a nation? No! I got two, I got two nations in my house. I claim this land for Alanese. No! Abraham had one kid from Sarah. And he, when his wife died, he had to seek and barter for a cave to bury his wife in. He can't even live in there because she's all buried up in there. He dies, no land, no people, but he died going, man, God promised me we'd be a nation. And though I don't see it, I trust him. And here's the deal. To the guys at the homeless shelter, if God's given you a promise, you may feel like, where is the promise? I don't see it. The guys, some of the guys are like, we're in a homeless shelter right now. Where's the promise? I'm like, listen, Abraham trusted God even when he couldn't see how God fulfilled the promise. But God fulfills his promises. It may take time. It may take a lifetime. It might take more than that. But God, who makes promises, keeps them. Abraham knew, man, someday, and his one kid has two kids. Oh, we're moving now. No more land. Still one kid is all I got. So two kids in a cave. But then Jacob has 12 sons. And his 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And those 70 become a million. And God keeps his word. Took generations of obedience, but God kept his word. God promised Abraham he'd be a great nation. But this is next, this last promise. God says, Abraham, if you, you trust me, if you go with me, I will, make, I will bring a child out of your old bones, man. His wife laughs. She goes, I ain't having, I'm, I'm, I'm 80 years old. I ain't having a baby. And she gets pregnant, and she's like, dang, I'm pregnant at 80. That's what they call it, advanced maternal age, right? They told me, my wife, we're, we're, we, we, we were, like, we're like 35. They're like, you're a little old for a baby. I'm like, get out of here. Sarah was like 80. No, but um, he, tells, he tells them, tells Abram, listen, make you a great nation. I'm going to bless those who bless you. Dishonor those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is a tough one. In you, Abraham, one of your kids someday is going to bless every family on the earth. That's a big, that's a little tall for promise. Tonight, Super Bowl Sunday, for the um, halftime, it's going to be Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, right? Eminem from D-Town, and Mary J. Blige. Five musicians at halftime. The people, it's, it, well, we'll see what happens, you know? Now, let's say, now these are very five of the greatest rappers living currently in America, right? All super famous. If I went to India and, hey, man, you guys like Dr. Dre? They'd be like, Dr. Who? Is he a foot doctor? What, who's Dr. Dre? Even though he's famous, he ain't famous in India. He ain't famous in Sikh Peru, I don't think. I know the one, I don't know the other. 
I'm saying, even though he's famous here, he's not famous to the whole globe. You know what I'm saying? The promise God gives Abraham is saying, every single nation, every single family be blessed by one of your kids. How could one person in one small desert possibly bless every family on the earth? Galatians tells us what it means. I go to Galatians 3. Galatians. Oh, this is my other Bible. My other Bible's marked. This one's not marked. Okay, 3-7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. God preached the good news way back to Abraham. How did God preach the gospel way back in Genesis? He said, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, the kid Abraham eventually has who blesses the world is Jesus Christ. This is the seed of Abraham. Through Christ, every family on the earth is blessed. My father-in-law, Mr. Bob Sims, he scuba dives. He puts on a tank and a mask and a thing, goes underwater in the ocean, which is a terrible idea. There's sharks in those waters. I don't swim in lakes because there'll be sharks in there that we don't know about yet. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to discover this. I saw Giles when I was six years old. It ruined me forever. <laughs> Friend of mine loves to go scuba diving. He's trained. There's this country over by, like, between India and Australia. It's called the Maldives. And this nation called the Maldives is considered one of the greatest destinations for scuba diving in the world. You go under nets and you go on, I don't know, it's, it's on like YouTube videos, top five, Maldives is in the top five. Now, the Maldives says, they say on their website, one of the things they're proud of is our nation is 100% Muslim. Everyone in this nation is a Muslim. And it's, it's, a, it's a point of pride for the people. Ricky, I want you to come up here real quick. Ricky went with Bob to the Maldives. I forgot this. Me and Angie were talking about it. Angie's like, Ricky was there. I'm like, no, he wasn't. I called him last night. He's like, I was there, dude. <laughs> Tell the people what happened in the Maldives, this fully Muslim nation, while you were there. Uh, yeah, so um, it was 2006. Um, in order to go to the Maldives, you have to be a tourist, because that's their industry, and that's really the only reason anybody goes there. Um, tourists are not allowed in any of the village islands, because uh, it's, it's an island nation. The biggest island is one kilometer by two kilometers. And so um, it's an island nation, and in order to go out to any of the islands other than the main island, it has to be a resort that you go to. Um, you're not allowed as a foreigner to go to any of the villages. So that was part of the reason we were there, was to pray around the capital and to try to make connections with the villages to share the gospel. And um, so we went, and under the guise of tourism, we went to one of the cheapest resorts we could find, um, in the cheapest room that we could find. And... Um, our federal guide, everybody has to have a guide if they come into the country, assigned by the government. 
um, to report back if you're doing anything wrong. Um, he took a liking to us, and we, he said there was something special about us. And so we chanced to let him know that we were Christians, and what he was sensing was the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't that we were special. And so um, he called us the next day. We were supposed to go out to our island for a few days, our, our resort. And he said, um, I pulled a few strings, and I changed your room for you because I know some people out there. So we got to the island, and he upgraded us to this over-the-water bungalow that walked down to the ocean. It was the best room on the island, and he did it for free, um, and so we were, like, amazed by this. And so we were there spending our days. Uh, we had two or three days on the island, and we were there, and um, our housekeeper would come in during the day. And um, one night, we got a knock on our door. I think it was around eight or nine at night, and uh, he said, I'm your housekeeper, um, and he said, are you Christians? And we were like, uh-oh, this could be bad because it could be the government. And so we decided to let him know, yes, we were. Um, and so he said, can I come in and talk to you? And we were like, yeah. So we brought him in, and um, he said, do you have any Bibles here? And we were sweating it at this point, thinking we were going to get deported. And he, we said, yeah, we, have, we each brought a Bible, and we have a couple extras. And he said, I am an Indian national. I'm from India. Um, my father was a pastor back home. Um, a Christian pastor, and I grew up as a Christian, and then I came to the Maldives 10 years ago to work on this resort to send money back home, and for 10 years, I've been praying that God would send me a Bible and um, that would help me meet other Christians that could help me with that, and so he said, you're the first Christians I've met that have had a Bible in 10 years, and he said, would it be okay if I kept one, and so we, you know, of course, we gave him multiples, <laughs> you know, and he took them gladly, um, but it was incredible because what could have been a situation where we got deported, got arrested, um, it was a man who had been asking God for a decade to just send him the Bible. He had to memorize everything before that. So it kind of blew our minds a little bit. I want to get to tell that story. Thank you so much, brother. They were in a nation 100% Muslim, and there were Christians there. The name of Christ has made it to every single corner of our planet. The Muslim world, the Hindu world, the communist states that are atheists, still in those places, the name of Christ is known and blesses all those who bow the knee and confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. Christ truly is the blessing to every single nation. To every single family under the earth, Christ can become a blessing that brings that family from darkness to light. The promise God gave Abraham has come to pass. It's why in Matthew chapter 1, it says, The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The Jews are like, listen, the one we've been waiting for. The person we've been waiting for has finally come. Jesus is the blessing we've all been waiting for. So Abraham's little story, story of one guy and his wife who leave the comfort of their home, their kinsmen, their culture. They walk with God and that one simple act of obedience births a nation and it brings forward the Christ who has changed all of our lives. 
So I encourage you. God uses the weak. Even if you are a normal human being, with limited gifts and limited talents, God moves. Uses you. Uses you. And God made Abraham into a great nation, but it took generations. As you wait for the Lord to move, do not grow weary as you wait. Know that, man, it could take a long time. That's okay. It's all right. Our Lord is trustworthy, and he, he, and he fulfills the promises he makes. And lastly, Christ is the blessing to all nations. He's our blessing. We are blessed in Christ. If we are in Christ, we are truly blessed. It is good to be loved by Jesus. Now, sometimes it's hard to feel the blessing of being in Jesus. Sometimes things get so difficult in this life, we think, Lord, where's the blessing? One thing me and my family do every night when we pray together before we go to bed, even if we're praying over hard things, we always say one thing we're grateful for, to remember the blessing. It's easy to have the, the bad things eat up all our vision. Sometimes the kids say silly things. I'm grateful for Sonny, the dog. But it's, we're grateful for Sonny, though. We're, it's truly gratitude. Sometimes I'm thankful for hot water because hot shower is great in the morning when it's thinking two degrees. <sighs> Whole different thing. Remember your blessings. You are blessed in Christ. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, You called Abraham your servant, and he trusted you, and he followed you. And Lord, you, through this one man's faithfulness, you have done so much. You brought a nation into the world. You have brought your son, Jesus Christ, into the world, who has become our Savior. All of us in this room, whether we're white, black, brown, Asian, whatever we are, we have all felt the joy that comes from being in Christ. Through this one man's obedience, encourage us. Strengthen our weak knees. Remind us that you're on the move and you do not forget your promises. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is true. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.